David, and he's oh, hit that wow. an absolute country mile. That too could be almost out of the ground. The big Bash 50. And oh, and it's got a Big Bash 50 now. David goes bang over the salmon. Here we go. Tim David takes it on. He's got a nice piece of it. He does, and this one he hits even better. Two sixes in a row. A very warm welcome to a very special Valentine's Day edition. What a way to start my day. The Cricket Library Weekly Podcast. Joining me as always, Robbie McKinlay. Welcome back. After a week of technical difficulties, the Cricket Library Weekly is back. <laughs> Great to be back. Hey, is there anything more romantic than talking cricket? I don't think so. Oh, I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> and I think we're yeah. doing our listeners a favour. Can you imagine uh, coming home from dinner, Valentine's Day evening, and you just happen to have the Cricket Library Weekly on? And you just pull up in the car at home and you listen to the rest of it before heading oh, inside. It's just, it's just Matt, got if, romance written all over it, doesn't it? If that just doesn't get you in the mood, I don't know what would. Just, oh, that's, it'll do me, man. I'll, yeah, I'm looking forward to listening back already. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a huge week in cricket. Uh, let's kick things off, Robbie, with the, the IPL auction. It, it's fresh and hot off the press. Sure. Um, our man. Can I say he's our man? Of course you can. TH David, the highest paid Australian-based player out of the IPL auction. He uses the same type of cricket bat that I do, but uses it much more effectively than me. He's at the top of the list, Robbie. $1.534 million to go to the Mumbai Indians. Well done, Tim David. Incredible, isn't it? Look. What that you know what that is one of the beauties of the IPL. It's, it's I think the auction is becoming great to viewing as, as much as anything. And gee, goodness me, the poor old auctioneer he went down to the count there on day one. That oh. looks like he's okay, which is great news. But so I enjoy his work. Yeah, he was um, excellent. But yeah, well, <laughs> well done, Tim David. He he's just come from the bleachers, hasn't he? All of a sudden, so. Um, what a better profile this man will have now because um, it'll be the talking point, the intrigue in on the subcontinent about who is this, Tim David, it's just going to be extraordinary. Well, I wonder, Robbie, our download stats in India have been going off the charts in the lead-up to mm-hmm. this auction, and I just wonder mm-hmm. whether anyone responsible for the bidding has been listening back to some of the dialogue around Tim David and his effectiveness in short format cricket because you'd have to think the way those bids were going, they must have known. They must have known that he's one of our favourites here at the the Cricket Library Weekly. Matt, you let the cat out of the bag a while ago. Don't worry about that. And and now the cat's not only getting the milk, it's getting the cream on the top. That is unbelievable. 1.53. Gee, start looking at some real estate, uh, maybe a Cottesloe Beach, or you know, if you're going to go back down to Tassie, maybe on the Derwent. But um, yeah. but a good, a pretty good result all over for the for the Aussies. Joshy Hazelwood and Paddy Cummins, one point four, one point three. Mitch Marsh, one point two. He'd have to get that, Matt. After yeah. his performance in the World Cup, along with David Warner, so they've all got seven figure deals. 
Um, it's a nice little sweetener. Um, but and Tim David, it's just an interesting story. And Matt, you probably know a little bit more about him, but he's a pretty chilled out sort of a character. I, I think he was struggling to get a, a crack with the Perth Scorchers, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he he's someone who has a very important and effective role. He's someone who can come in and face twenty balls of le- twenty balls or less at a mm. very very high strike rate at the back end of the game. Um, yeah. So, side note, he's he's very popular uh, at junior cricket training when there's a run short. Because uh, I don't know if you recall in the Big oh. Bash when he when he deliberately did the run short and yeah. there, there was the five run penalty there. Uh, the, the the phrase comes up. Oh, he's done a Tim David uh, in, <laughs> in in reference in <laughs> reference points of the kids running short. But uh, and he does he does bowl those little off breaks as well in the power play yeah. sometimes. Also, I, I'm not sure as that I'm as sold on his bowling as I am his batting. Uh, and and yeah. I I think he's someone, even though his specialty is that sort of back end batting, I I still think he's someone that if he if he was in there for fifty balls, could yeah. really destroy uh, an opposition side. Um, speaking of favourites of the Cricket Library Weekly, Robbie. Oh yes. There's Hang one. On. Yeah. Dr. Sand. Oh, how did you know? Good guess. <laughs> That's a very good guess. Daniel Sams, $485,000. Mumbai Indians as well. I My kids asked me, who, who are you going to go for in the Big Bash? Mm. And I said, if Daniel Sams doesn't get picked up, I, I'm going to be going for Lucknow because yeah. Lucknow is a town in the central west of New South Wales, not far from the Orange Library, actually. It and is I, too. And, and so I just thought, well, surely – and unless Daniel Sams gets gets a spot somewhere else, uh, I'll be going for Lucknow. And I think Lucknow were in a bidding war with the Mumbai Indians for the services of Daniel Sams. So uh, it looks like it's the Mumbai Indians that I'll be supporting in um, in this season's edition of IPL. Thanks to them signing uh, the, the, the great Daniel Sams. And Robbie, players that miss the boat, so to speak, that were left behind. Uh, a few big-name omissions from the bidding table. Well, not that they oh, were omitted from yeah. the table. They, they Their names went up, but they didn't collect any cash. No bids. Steve Smith, Adam Zampa, they had a base price of three uh, 370-odd grand. Okay. Then you had Aaron Finch and Kane Richardson, just a little bit below that. Ben Cutting. And then Marnus Labashane, uh, gee, um, uh, Matt from the Orange Library will be gutted about that. Benny McDermott, I thought he might have been a chance at 94 grand. I thought that'd be a really good buy. And then Hayden Kerr, mm. 38 grand base price and didn't get a nibble. So, but And others are not even called, like Fawaja, Astonaga, Moses Enrique, um, Josh Philippi, where's I got there? There's a few there. Uh, Hilton Cartwright, I thought he had a fantastic. Um, BBL. And yeah. Tanvir Sanger is another one, but I guess that just got spinners coming out of their ears yeah. over there in the subcontinent. But, um, yeah, so, well, well I guess it, um, it just means that they, they, they just got to keep at it. Do what um, Tim David's done. Come from the bleachers and you never know your luck in a big city.
That's right, and plenty of big cities over there, Robbie, and plenty more for us to discuss. Uh, We'll have a quick break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up all the action from the Sheffield Shield over the weekend where the mighty New South Wales Blues came away with a nail-biting victory. Hey, guys. Rachel Priest here. You're listening to the Cricket Library Weekly with Robbie and Matt. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly and, of course, one of our favourite competitions, the Marsh-Sheffield Shield, and had a couple of games over the last few days. We'll, we'll start up with the one that is least exciting for us uh, as, obviously, New South Wales-based hosts. Uh, South Australia up against Victoria. Some some. Big talking points in this game, probably the biggest in and around uh, young Will Pekofsky. Uh, very disappointing uh, for him to be suffering another concussion, Robbie. Oh, just so disappointing for you know for everyone, particularly Will and his family, you know, and all the Victorians. Um, yeah, I believe it was just with like a volleyball. Um, they do some little games, warm up games beforehand, and uh, Will went to. Uh, just kicked the ball up to himself and it just kicked it to himself and hit him on the head. Oh, no. And so, yeah, so it was something as minor as that. I listened to an interview with Marcus Harris um, on uh, ABC Grandstand over the weekend and it was, yeah, just as simple as that. So um, I, I did like Chris Rogers' reaction, though, and he just said, yeah, look, you can understand there's a bit of hysteria around it, but just let it, let it play out and um, let the people who have been handling it sort of make decisions. But, yeah, yeah it was just... Oh, yeah, it just breaks your heart for him. You just can't get a crack at it because he'd made it a half century in the first innings. Such a good player, such a good talent. He's already has got a baggy green, but we just want to see him get more, don't we? Absolutely, Robbie. Love to see more of Will Pekofsky playing cricket. And, uh, yeah, just really good measured response, wasn't it, from Chris Rogers there, just helping. Yeah. What, what, what else would you expect from the great Chris Rogers, yeah. mind, mind you? Yeah. Um, a great job down there as the Victorian coach. Now, a um, couple of good talking points from a South Australian point of view. Jake Weatherald, fantastic to see him make 100 in the first-class arena, 122 for him. And Daniel Drew, uh, 130 as well. Uh, fantastic performance from those guys. Four wickets each to Boland and Perry in that first innings. And then Victoria... Uh, no one going on and making a big one. Nick Maddinson, 82. Marcus Harris and Will Pekofsky both making half centuries in the total of 264. Quite well short of South Australia's mm. 366. But then the second innings for South Australia, all out 213. Uh, 57 for Henry Hunt from the Central West. I love seeing Henry Hunt making runs, as would our man in the Orange Library. Travis Head, uh, 46 as well. Uh, three wickets each to Holland and Sutherland uh, before Victoria were able to pile on the runs in the final innings, but not not enough to to get them a result. Match drawn. Victoria six for two thirty six. I should have mentioned too in the first innings for South Australia: Doggett, Grant, and McAndrew each picking up three wickets. But the the, yeah. hi, the highlight of that that Victorian innings, Robbie, uh, 148 not out to PSP Hanscom. Yeah, you know, obviously he's one of the better players of slow bowling mm. in, in Australian cricket. And he, you know, Lloyd Pope bowled 24 overs in that second innings, and he kept him out. But look, South Australia had a glimmer of hope, Matt, when the fifth wicket fell when Travis Dean was out 
Um, LBW to dog it, uh, one of his four wickets. Five for 135. But then Sammy Harper, he made 22 or 68. And then Will Sutherland at the end, 14 not out. Um, he contributed as well too. And then Hanscom obviously had things really in, under control. And so the Vic, it was an important um, result for Victoria because they still maintained top position on the Sheffield ladder. And unfortunately for South Australia, Matt, they remain on the bottom of the table. And that is a position we've seen them occupy quite a bit of late. Yeah, disappointing the way things have panned out for South Australia, unfortunately, in recent times. It's been a big drought since they've lifted the coveted title. They've played yep. in a few finals uh, since 95-6 when, when they had that victory. But it, it, it is a long wait for lovers of South Australian cricket. And hopefully things can turn the corner for them. Uh, in the very near future. Now, a couple of teams that have lifted the shield in recent times went head-to-head. Uh, New South Wales up against Queensland. Uh, this one, uh, a real nail-biter, Robbie. I I can tell you that I was in Coonamble uh, <laughs> setting up a Woolworths Cricket Blast program and I turned the live stream on to see Chris Tremaine get New South Wales over the line at the end of this one, and I was, I, I was ecstatic, shall we say? It's probably a, a calm way of putting it, but it was, yeah, a, a, a great result for a very young and inexperienced. Uh, some of the players, inexperienced New South Wales players, are uh, being able to experience a victory like that against a very impressive Queensland reigning Shield champions, Queensland, with some Test players in there. Uh, talk us through your reflections on this one, Robbie. Yeah, well, look, it wasn't as interesting. If you look at that that New South Wales run chase in the second innings when they needed, I think, 137 for victory, Daniel Hughes out for one and Ryan Hackney out for one, the two openers. But after that point there, every batsman got to double figures mm. and they just found a way in a gripping contest. But I think if you go back to that first inning, there's, there's one... It something stands out like a beacon here, and it was once again Daniel Hughes who mm. carried his bat for the second time yeah. this season. 86 not out, um, where everyone else struggled against a very good Queensland attack. You've got Michael Nisa, Mark Steckety, and uh, Jake Wildermuth coming at you like that. You got Mitchell Swift's only bowled a couple of overs, but... Yeah, it was a great thing from Daniel Hughes. He almost got them. I think, was it, were they mad? I think they were seven runs shy of reaching Queensland's first innings. Yeah. And then some crucial wickets late on day two, uh, which saw Queensland so that they were going along okay at two for 68, three for 101. Next thing you know, they are six for 105. So they've lost, they lost three wickets for four runs. And they lose another one early in day three, and then yeah, eight for one hundred and seventeen. So nine for one hundred and eighteen. Uh, yeah, it was just it was a grip, one of those gripping contests. And you know the bowling of New South Wales, they got the bowlers and put it in the right spot. Trent Copeland gets three wickets. Chris Tremaine, great to see him back. Hang on a minute, you mentioned Central West in the previous Shield game. What about Trent Copeland, uh. Chris Tremaine? Daniel Hughes, where are they from, Matt Oz? Oh, well, you've got you've got Chris Tremaine from Yeovil in Central West New South Wales. You've got Daniel Hughes from Cowrah in Central West New South Wales. And uh, Trent Copeland from Bathurst 
in Central West New South Wales. So a fair bit of heavy lifting done by the Central West contingent in the New South Wales side, dare I say. And I think I think the Orange Library sent through some data around the specifics as to how much heavy lifting they did. I don't have it that was. in front of me in my notes at the moment. But, uh, yeah, uh, a, a nail-biting finish. Uh, Chris Tremaine, rightly named man of the match, uh, finishing 16 not out and there at the end when the winning runs were hit. So uh, exciting stuff. And later today too, Robbie, we've got Queensland taking on New South Wales in that Marsh one-day cup fixture as well. So uh, looking forward to that. And, of course, the Shield getting back underway. You'll be down at the City Power Centre for Victoria up against Queensland uh, and New, New South Wales taking on Tasmania. Those games getting underway on the 18th of February. So uh, they, that could be a little uh, nice Valentine's Day gift for someone. Do you reckon, Robbie, some Sheffield Shield tickets? Absolutely. Well, the thing, good thing about it is, Matt, the Sheffield Shield tickets, um, well, it's a good buy too if you're giving away because they don't cost you anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're in, certainly the right price. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, no, I'm looking forward to the, the Shield there. So, as you said, the Vicks still on top. At the Junction Oval, I'm really interested to see what type of wicket will be down there. Generally, it can be a bit of a run feast, I suppose, with the Vicks on top of the ladder. They might just they might be happy to see that. And the early predictions for the weather in Melbourne, I think they're talking around about the 40-degree mark come Friday. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure if we'll see that the tourists who are going to Pakistan in that side, um, Usman Kawaja, Marnus yeah. Shane. So, hope they are. I'm certainly looking forward to it if they are. Yeah, yeah. And, and also uh, Marsh Cup. I think there's a bit of rain forecast around uh, Brisbane this afternoon as well. So hopefully that doesn't have too much of an impact in that game between Queensland and New South Wales. And tomorrow at the Karen Rolton Oval, uh, South Australia taking on Victoria as well. So uh, plenty of domestic cricket happening for those of us who love it. And uh, looking forward to watching how those games unfold in the Marsh Sheffield Shield and Marsh One Day Cup competitions. We'll take a quick break, Robbie. And uh, when we come back, let's let's wrap up the, the women's ashes and have a look at the men's T20 internationals. You're tuned in to the Cricket Library Weekly with Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay. Hi, this is Renee Farrell, and you are listening to the Cricket Library Weekly with Robbie McKinlay and Matty Ellis. We are back on the Cricket Library Weekly and what a summer it's been for Australia, winning the Ashes in both the men's and the women's formats. Uh, we, we had a wonderful series. It has been a while since this one finished, but we, we thought it was worth uh, paying uh, our respects to the quality of cricket that was played. Uh, Australia doing it convincingly in the end in the one-day series, Robbie, and a really good tune-up for Australia as they prepare for the World Cup in New Zealand. Yeah, perfect, wasn't it? Some really good um, form showing. Look, the, the Australian team just got better and better as the whole series went on. Um, England had their moments, but they could never capitalise. Mm. You know, even in the final game, they got themselves to two for 107, and then they're all out for 163 in the last over. You know, just didn't take that opportunities. And, but there was some really good bowling there. A really good sign for Australia there was uh, Elise Perry, one for 18 off eight overs. Yes, only one wicket. Okay, but it was the economy where she was putting the ball. It was sort of the Elise Perry of old there. Anna Sullivan, Sutherland, 
bag four in that um, final match too. And then Australia, when they batted, Matty, it looked almost a you know, perfect finish to a game, wasn't it? But ch- chasing a tug like that, they got there with almost 14 overs there. Alyssa Healy, good to see her get 42. Rachel Haynes had a fantastic summer so far, 31. And then Meg Lanning, 57, not out. Alyssa Perry comes in, 31, not out. They both put one over the fence each. Um, just a comprehensive um, display from the Australians. And, yeah, England, it, it, it's been a tough summer for both men and women's sides, Matt. Oh, it certainly has, Robbie. And uh, great to see the emergence of some young talent as well. Talia McGrath really coming yes. into her own in this, uh, at this level. Like, we've seen her play some really good cricket at WBBL level, and she's now taken that to international level. And same with the likes of young Darcy Brown as well. Seeing her come in and bowl fast and uh, just hurry up some seasoned pros in the England mm. setup. Some really positive signs. And then, of course, I mean, Beth Mooney, she just keeps churning out the runs, doesn't she? So yeah. plenty of plenty of positives for Australia going into the World Cup and always, always good to win an Ashes series. And WNCL just around the corner. We'll no doubt be talking WNCL next week, Robbie. Plenty of... Um, Plenty of discussion points in and around the WNCL, uh, which you'll be watching fa- very closely as well. Yeah, it's got. Um, I'm seeing. I think I might be doing ten or eleven of those games coming up, which is going to be a, a busy, busy month ahead. But um, yeah, and then obviously looking forward to just mark down March the fourth on the calendar, mm. Matt, because that will be the commencement of the um, World Cup. Oh, yeah. The World Cup. Um, that one's at uh, Mount Moganui, uh, one of my favourite little grounds, the Bay Oval in New Zealand. New Zealand will, um, the host will take on the West Indies. Australia's first game comes up the day after, and that's when they take on England again. Oh. Well, they've seen a fair bit of each other, and England will be hoping maybe a change of country uh, might create a change of fortune. Who knows? Yeah, that's right, Robbie. Who, who knows? Uh, definitely well worth looking forward to. And great to see uh, Fox putting on a dedicated channel, a pop-up channel yeah. for the Women's World Cup. So those that do follow the cricket on Fox, or I, I wonder, I'm imagining that it'll all be on KO as well. Uh, so get around, get around the Australian women's cricket team or whichever country yeah. team you support. Um, lots of loyal Cricket Library weekly listeners all around the gro- globe will be cheering cheering their respective nations on. Uh, and um, back closer to home, Robbie, the men's T20 series. We had a super over last night. Oh, I couldn't look. Sunday night, it was getting a little bit late. For me. When I went to bed, the Australia, I thought, it had very much well in hand. And then I got a surprise when I heard on the news bulletin this morning um, that they've gone to a super over. I thought, gee, I don't know how that all happened, but just goes to show, doesn't it? So a good fight back there from... Um, Sri Lanka, they're probably a bit stiff, but when you only make five runs in the super over, one yeah. for five, and uh, you got Marcus Stoinis at the crease. I think, who went out with him? Glenn Maxwell? Yeah, GJ Maxwell, MP oh. Stoinis. Gee, gee whiz. Good luck. Good luck <laughs> keeping those two, you know, under a fair bit. But, yeah, that, so they got there in three balls. It just took them three balls to do that. So, um, yeah, but I thought I did know, I thought I detected a bit of improvement from Sri Lanka. So. Yeah. They're certainly going to benefit from this, Matty, and um, I wouldn't be surprised they pinch one before in the, over the last three matches. 
Yeah, another game coming up in Canberra down at Monica Oval. Really looking forward to seeing that one. Uh, love Monica Oval as a venue. A wonderful place for these yep. kinds of games of cricket. So that one's on the 15th of Feb, then 18 Feb down at the MCG and 20 Feb MCG as well. So, uh, yes, still Sri Lanka, very much a chance of uh, keeping the series alive uh, with that one at Monica Oval. And... Uh, the Australian team just looking to keep fine-tuning and working out their winning combinations with another World Cup later in the year. Yeah, it's as simple as that, isn't it? It's, um, they're in a pretty good space, I think. Look, obviously outside, the little bit of a distraction in around the, the coaching and you know the new appointments. But um, outside of that, this, this is a very experienced group. Um, we saw where they came from to win the, the T20 World Cup over there in the in the subcontinent, and uh, yeah, they've um, they've been look, they've been fantastic, Maddie. Hard to put a, a a fault through that whole performance throughout the summer, and that, and yeah, the thing about it is, I suppose, particularly the bowling that we've we've got so much more depth now. It it does two things: it 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 keeps the bowlers on their toes, but also allows us to make sure every contest there is a fresh bowling attack going mm. up against your opposition, and that is so important. Oh, absolutely, Robbie. Absolutely. And uh, really looking forward to seeing how things play out uh, in the remainder of this series. Now, we're, we're nearly out of time, Robbie. I nearly said we're, we are out of time, but whatever happens when I say we're out of time, we end up talking for another five minutes anyway. And uh, <laughs> so, so we're nearly out of time. Before we go, um, you're working on a little project at the moment, which has really got my attention. Um and you managed you managed to to just clarify a few things um, in your research with the great IT Botham. Could t- tell us yep. t- tell us about uh, tell us about what you're working on. Well, I've got a little project going on at the moment, Matty, as part of my Glory Days podcast. And the one I'm working on because it's in my hometown, home city of Albury. Uh, on March the 18th, it'll be 30 years since Zimbabwe came to town to play England in the World Cup up at the Lavington Sports Ground. And I'm doing an ep- I'm doing the whole episode is to that match and a lot of the things in and around it. Um, yes, Ian Botham played in that, uh, Graham Gooch. But the big thing about it was, of course, people looked back. Zimbabwe knocked over England on that occasion. So, yeah, it's coming along very nicely, Matt. So that should be out, hopefully, in the within the next three weeks. So oh. I'm really looking forward to that one. It's, yeah, I've been able to uh, speak to players from Zimbabwe who played in the match and organisers and yeah there's some I, I won't say any more but keep an eye out there is a massive Richie Benno connotation oh, in, a cu- yes. in a couple of stats that oh, come through now oh yes I did pass them on to you yesterday which has been embargoed yeah and um, and it is just I think it's going to delight a lot of people particularly the Richies out there yeah definitely and and what a great story Zimbabwe Knocking over England, who went on to play in that World Cup final, the 92 World yep. Cup final. And, yeah, really looking forward to hearing some of the behind-the-scenes uh, backstory to that and just what it meant to the Zimbabweans yep. to, to come away with with a huge, like in, in world cricket sense, to, to knock off England in a World Cup game, absolutely massive uh, for Zimbabwe at the time. And, yeah, really looking forward to that one. So 
It's three weeks away. I'm sure we'll mention it again between now and then, Robbie, but I just wanted to make sure that people had the opportunity to have that on their radars because I've certainly got it on my radar and, and really looking forward to delving deeper. It's really got that uh, cricket library audience feel to it. I think it'll be it up, it's certainly right up my alley and, and no doubt will be for others as well. Well, we are going to go now, Robbie. Thanks so much for your time. It's been a been a pleasure catching up and must say apologies to everyone for our technical difficulties last week. We've we've come up with a little workaround uh, this week, uh, which hopefully will work. Um, if not, um, you won't hear this, so you won't know. But, uh, yeah, we've, we've got a little workaround and, and hopefully back to business as usual and yep. weekly once again. Have a great week, everyone. Uh, this has been Matt Ellis and Robbie McKinlay for the Cricket Library Weekly. Have a happy Valentine's Day. Bye for now.